Welcome to the Torbay Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and I'm joined by our engineer, Alex. The purpose of this weekly podcast is to promote everything going on in hospitality in Torbay. We're talking about restaurants, pubs, bars, attractions, festivals, events, plus a jobs listing and our live music calendar. If you like what you hear, please share a five-star review, tell your friends, and give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram for the very latest. It's time for the show. Let's get started. And welcome back to the Torbay Hospitality Podcast. This week, we want to give a shout out to Louise, Ollie, Hugh, Rahan at Indiang, Jason, Jackie, Mark, and Captain Jack. You know who you are. This week, we are delighted to welcome Sean Cockman from the Broken Wine Society. Welcome, Sean. Hi. (laughs) If you wanted more than that, I could, yeah, hello. (laughs) Well, brilliant. The, um, yeah, today we're just going to start off with a bit of news. Um, The Torquay Chamber of Commerce is hosting an open meeting about the impact of Operation Loki on antisocial behavior in Torquay Town Centre. Their guest is Chief Superintendent Ed Wright from Devon and Cornwall Constabulary. The event is free and it's open to all. It's from 5.45 to 8.30 p.m. on Wednesday, the 17th of May, and that's at the Hampton by Hilton. So that should be interesting. It's just a bit of an overall news update before we get into the hotel news. We've got some good news. The Headland Hotel is going to be reopening. I didn't think it was July, though. Do you know when it's reopening? Uh, no, I've seen the adverts for their, for their jobs up, so I guess they're, they're hiring people for, you know, to get it reopened. Yeah, that's good. Um, so they're looking back to welcome, they're looking forward to welcoming back all of their amazing guests. And I did see it on a group chat that people were starting to plan in some, um, dates at the Headland Hotel. So that's really good news and another great hotel coming back to the bay. Um, and 2023, there's some research out that's supposed to be the year of the staycation. Haven't we heard that before? A survey has disclosed that Brits are planning to go on more staycations than ever. It's great news for the local hospitality sector around Torbay. And this increased demand will mean more spending, a boost for the local economy and for local businesses. And we are hoping that this surge of new customers and new tourists could be the push to get everybody back on their feet. The Carry Arms is celebrating Wellness Wednesdays. They're announcing a new spa package. It includes a two-course lunch for two, a complimentary 20-minute massage, and one-hour use of the spa facilities. It's only £45 a person, and it's only until the end of June. So make sure you book now. It's uh, the, To book, you dial 01803-327-110 or email inquiries at carryarms.co.uk. And we've got a really nice offer from the Marine Hotel in Paynton. They've got a dinner, bed, and breakfast, £59 a night. You follow the link from their Facebook page for dates and availability. And Wentworth Guesthouse has availability in May. And we've created an Add Your Story for others to add a snapshot and advertise their availability for rooms for free. So watch our Instagram stories for the next kind of Add Your Style story. And make sure that you get involved. (laughs) 
And turning over to restaurant and bar news, I know that, Sean, you've worked in the restaurant and bar industry in Torbay for a long time, haven't you? I I have uh, for my sins, yes. (laughs) Um, There's um, some availability. There's a new restaurant that's, or there's an old restaurant that's available now. It's on Bettysworth's website, Man Friday's Lobster House. So you'll know this is kind of like, it's the kind of restaurant that's above 21 in Torquay. It's available on a leasehold basis for kind of, Forty nine nine ninety nine. So head over to the Bettsworth website for information on that in case you're interested in owning a former lobster house. Yeah, well, I mean, well it's right next to 21. I don't, I don't know why there's nobody in there. I've seen the photos on the Bettsworth website. Like, it looks still amazing inside. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand why it's still there. Yeah. Available. Like, I don't know why and someone hasn't snapped it up. Yeah, I know. It could be a really interesting... Yeah, to be like so close to yeah. 21, yeah. I've had the conversations, good. could be a really interesting little wine tapas bar, but, you know, I just don't have 50 grand to throw it. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, anyway, right? You'll get there. Um, the new restaurant, The Dock, is open on Victoria Parade on Torquay Harbour, and that's every night, and they have bistro-style food and their special offer, two for 12 cocktails, every day from four to seven. So get down there for happy hour drinks and then stay for the delicious food. You check out their menus on their brand new website, and that is doctorkey.co.uk. And this is one close to your heart, Sean. Otto in Torquay has opened. It has, yeah. They're in the former Wiesup building. <laughs> They've got these award-winning um, Neapolitan pizzas, Il Cornichone pizza, it looks like. Um, they're handmade, fresh on site, and they're served from 3 to 9 p.m. every day. And they also serve brunch, and that's from 9 to 2. So seven days a week. It's no booking required. You just walk in. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, well, it's really difficult to run a system of, like, no bookings. But... Like as long as you're ridiculously organized and get everybody, you know, can get everything turned over really quickly, like then you can have a really amazing atmosphere in somewhere like that. And the way they've done it out is absolutely fantastic. Like, yeah, the pizza oven they've bought looks insane. Really? Like, yeah, it's mad. Like, and uh, yeah, it's just like they've everything they've done has turned what I know we saw was like good, but like they've they've sort of regenerated it into something that's slightly more accessible modern a better use of the space and like their sun terrace with their sulcum gin you know umbrellas and everything looks amazing you know as much as we'd love it to be talky gin anthony um <laughs> you know it's like you know sulcum's good too uh yeah. yeah like it just looks amazing and i think you know it is going to be one of the most popular places on the harbour side just like anthony did with 21 he's turned it around and you know, done another great job yeah. yeah i agree so that's brilliant um, we've got a couple other sort of like events. Oh, did you hear that Guy's Tiki Bar has arrived in Shaldon? Um, it's some, it's a, like a floating bar. I heard a rumor that friends of mine, Lynn and Millie, took it over one time and they were floating around in Tinmouth Back Bay. I don't know. Have you ever seen Guy's Tiki Bar? I've never seen Guy's Tiki Bar. I've heard <laughs> of the parties on, you know, like the back beaches of mm. uh, Tinmouth and Shaldon and how raucous they can get. So I can only imagine that Guy's Tiki Bar is going to be a mad place. <laughs> That's brilliant. So watch out, guy. There's pirates about. Um, Revolution in Turkey is hosting a smartphone music quiz every Thursday, and they've got half-priced pizzas and happy hour all night. So you can join in the fun from 8 p.m. I don't know what a smartphone music quiz is. It sounds like a lot of cheating. <laughs> I think you log in on your phone and just do it on your phone. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, 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 yeah. oh. right, yeah. right. I mean, so there's yeah. not like quiz master and all of that. Yeah, so it's all like on a TV and then you log in and you just answer the questions. Like They do a similar uh-huh. thing up at the uh, Babacom Inn once a week. We used to be quite good up there. 
Oh, okay, right. Um, what well, if quizzes are your thing? Cantina in Goodrington. They're hosting a charity quiz on June 16th at 7 p.m. And that is to benefit Children's Hospice Southwest and other charities. So get your reservations booked in. That's June 16th at Cantina. And here's something quite exclusive. At Shoreline in Painton, they're celebrating the English Riviera Air Show. It's coming on the 3rd and 4th of June. And so they're doing three courses of sharing platters. They start from $37.50 per person. And there's a concession for kids under 12. To book, you email shorelinepainton at gmail.com. The Breakwater Bistro is donating 15p from every cup of coffee from May through September to save the Shoalstone Seawater Pool. It's a big fundraising effort and great work for a worthy cause. And there's another event that's been announced, and it's all about saving the Shoalstone Pool. Uh, That's at the Berryhead Hotel. You're supposed to dust off your grass skirt and fish out your Hawaiian shirt from back in the 90s for Polynesian night. They're going to have a hog roast and a live band, raffle prizes, and an auction. And again, that's fundraising for the Shoalstone Seawater Pool. So mark your diary. You go onto Facebook, you search for Berryhead Hotel, and the event is called Polynesian Night. And just staying in restaurants, on a personal note, my friend Lou and I went over to Tam's Kitchen on Winter Street in Painton. Have you ever been? I've never been, no, but um, I've seen all the pictures of it. All the food looks amazing. It's absolutely incredible. We went for like a quiet midweek tea just to have like a quiet catch up. And we were actually like blown away with like the quantity and the quality of the food. But there were also like really good vibes. Like the people there were really great. The service was great. The chef was great. The place was packed with like just kind of happy, lovely people and good vibes. And then like a whole birthday party turned up and the vibes got even better. So they're licensed. They've got cocktails, craft beer and vegan food. I'm not not a vegan, but it was really good. So we definitely will be back. And we wanted to say thanks to Tam and her team for a fab night. I think they do a quiz as well. If quizzes are your thing, they do a quiz as well. Do they? At Tam's? Okay, brilliant. So follow them on Instagram, Tam's Kitchen. And over in supplier news, we want to extend congratulations to Bay's Brewery. They won gold at the Taste of the West Awards 2023 for their ale, Devon Dumpling, and for their craft lager, lager, excuse me, Devon Rock, it took the silver medal. To celebrate, they have an unbelievable offer. Listen to this. 35% off award-winning beers. You use discount code LOYALTY35. I think Devon Rock should have taken the championship, don't you think? Yeah, well, I mean, if it's sales-wise, I mean, I've drunk enough of it. It's like, And also, does that loyalty 35, does that work on kegs for businesses? Oh, I don't know. You'll have to contact baysbrewery.co.uk. I don't think it will. (laughs) Call Peter, call Peter. I don't know. Um, So yeah, that's a discount code loyalty35. So that's been on their Instagram post, but it doesn't say whether it's for trade, wholesale, retail, etc. So you want to get on their website and just give the code a try? Excuse me. How about gin tasting on a yacht? Does that sound good? Uh, It sounds dangerous. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> it gets better. It's a blind tasting. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> blind of the gin or blind of the people? Blind of the boat. <laughs> Above Deck's Charters has teamed up with three award-winning distillers, Deck Chair Gin from Brixham, Tor Bay Gin of Cockington, and Salcom Gin for a really fun blind tasting with all of kind of the fun garnishes and tonics, plus charcuterie boards with continental meats and cheeses and all of the trimmings. They've got three sessions available on, I think it's the 13th of, 13th of May. Was that Saturday? Sorry, I don't have the date jotted down here. Um, so, it, yeah, it's Saturday the 13th of May. They've got a noon, a 3 p.m., and a 6 p.m. 6 p.m. sounds good because I think the sun will just be kind of getting into golden hour. It's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, gin and tonics on a boat. Yeah. Yeah, sun going down. Perfect. There's not much more. I mean, it's sold itself. I'll I'll be there. <laughs> you can book up to 10 people per session. It's £49 a ticket. And it's a dockside event. So there's no risk of spilling your drink or driving blindly into anything. You book at abovedecks.co.uk. And Thunderflower in Tinmouth is supporting local artist Ollie Stevens' album launch party at St. Michael's Church in Tinmouth. That's on Friday, the 26th of May. And so he'll be playing with a five-piece band of talented artists. And now, courtesy of Thunderflower, there's going to be gin and tonics. So get your tickets on Eventbrite. You search Ollie, O-L-L-I-E, Stevens, album launch and there's a link so we've got our tickets this morning so come along it's going to be a magical night with jim <laughs> sanford orchards is hosting an event at darts farm and that's on wednesday the 24th of may they've got nibbles barbecued burgers and pudding and each course is paired with a cider they've got a live musical performance from the mummers we've got mummers in philadelphia i don't know what mummers are here I have absolutely no idea. Okay. <laughs> Ours play banjos, so I don't know what you've got here. You visit the Sanford Orchards Instagram, and there's a link in their bio, in their profile, to book your tickets. And next Thursday, the 18th of May, is Sean's event. The Broken Wine Society is going to be hosting their wine tasting event at 7 p.m. at Below Decks. It's £35 a person, and you can book your table at 01803-411106. So, Sean, tell me about this event. Um, so, it's just a, uh, it's, it's a, the idea of the tasting is that it's uh, an undiscovered Italy flight. So, it's going to be um, great varieties that, I mean, I've got a fantastic new book with 500 native grape varieties of Italy, which I'm really excited to, to get into. Yeah. But um, So it's just seven wines where the grape varieties, some you don't see very often over here, but it's really interesting flavours, really interesting history. Most of them are sort of, you know, they're ancient grape varieties that only really, um, uh, they make wine out of them in the very specific regions of Italy. So it's like regional wines. And then I'm going to talk, we'll talk through some processes about how things are made, like, I finalised ordering the wine yesterday and it is going to be fantastic. So, oh. yeah, like, it's going to be great. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, yeah, so it's sort of, you know, as much as it is about wine tasting, it's also about sort of having fun. Like for me, having fun around wine is what it's all about. Like mm. it's not, 
it's not a tasting for people who necessarily are, are obsessed with wine or even you know you don't even have to like wine i'll convince anybody like you know <laughs> i like firmly believe that you know everybody likes wine they maybe don't know it yet but they will get there and they will find the wine that introduces them yeah and then like you know i used to do do tastings and there was a lady who never drank red wine so she'd come along to the tasting because she loved the atmosphere and loved the party sort of the yeah. way it went and every time we did a red we had to give her just a rosé okay something from the fridge <laughs> um and then after years of doing that or maybe a few months of doing that and getting it i made her try every red then she'd mm-hmm. say oh don't like it but you know i was like fine but at least you're trying it and that's the important thing and then one week i did a german dornfelder which is like a sweet red wine so it tastes mm. like ribena she tried that <laughs> She's like, I love it. You found my wine. And then slowly, because she was then into like introduced into the flavours of red wine, then when she was trying things that were slightly uh, drier, she could then pick up the flavours that were already there in the really sweet one, the fruitiness. You could pick that up in something that's slightly drier. And now she walks around Marks and Spencer's with a notepad. Yeah, yeah. Wine. Like, you know, I've converted, fully converted. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's really inspirational. Everybody's a wine fan. You just don't know it yet. Okay. <laughs> So can you tell us a bit about your background and like what kind of experience you have in like the wine industry or what inspired you to start a wine tasting business? How did you, how did it all come about? And um, so uh, when I, when I was younger, see my, my parents introduced me to wine. It's like wine and lemonade with Sunday dinner. Like yeah, it's always been a part of our family. And then um, I was lucky when I was 18, I started working at number seven. Mm. Um, and then as, as they go to big tastings in London, it's a bit of a, um, I'm sure their wives won't thank me for saying it's a bit of a boys' trip up to London to do like a few days of tasting, stay in a hotel, and just uh, you know taste a hundred wines a day. It's really tough work. Um, so like, so we go up there, eat in nice restaurants, have fun, but also yes. you're in the daytime when we're at the tastings, you're talking to all these people who make wine, import mm. wine, sell wine. Like, you know, I just had this wonderful experience where I was opened up to all these. You know, you're tasting the flavors. By the end of the day, you can't taste anything. <laughs> but that's not for me the important bit was being there immersed in wine culture yes you know and seeing some you know like you do get to see some you know famous people there but like that's not really even the point of it like you know um it's uh yeah it's, it's that you're talking to these people about how they make wine why they make wine and then you're able to go back and sell a wine in a restaurant because you literally spoke to the guy who makes it yes yes and that's what really changed my life really in my career pattern because um yeah so I was doing all this whilst doing my degree and then came back finished my degree decided to carry on with the restaurant thing and then um Paul and Oliver converted the flat above number seven to the wine bar asked me to run it so I then spent a year while they were building it in Australia because why not you know yes Um, and then but I was uh um I was reading everything I could tasting everything Mm. I could trying to and then when I came back, we were going to tastings, figuring out how things were going. Then we started with 30 wines on the board, all by the glass. Then by the time, you know, within a couple of years, we had more than 100 by the glass. Yes. Um, and then we'd started a, I started a wine club there after the first year and started doing tastings. So that was getting our regular customers in to taste even more funky wines than were on the thing, on, yes. on the list. Or, yes. And um in doing that, it was sort of, it was for them, but it was also for me learning, pushing myself, trying to say like, oh, I can actually, like, I can learn about this and people are interested to hear about what I've got to say. So we did that. It was really popular. Mm. Um, and then uh, and then I, I went away, took a job up in Hamilton, uh, at Hamilton's in Babacombe. And then we had a, uh, I was really well supported, had a really nice wine cellar where I was able to sort of, you know, although I couldn't do everything I wanted to do. Yeah. Because I had a bit more of a serious 
uh, job. Like I was still able to, you know, buy wine, taste wine, change things around a bit. And, you know, it had, like I say, we had a really nice cellar up there. Um, and then, and also we, we did do, you know, when we had the time uh, in the early days, our chefs would do a seven course tasting menu and I'd pair wine to it and people would, and then I'd explain the wine at every table. And like, yes. it was, it was great fun. Like oh, those were so amazing nights. And like, yeah, so then when it became the option of what do I want to do next? I was like, <laughs> well, I might as well, you know, I'll, I'll kick myself in the future if I don't give this a go. Yes. So I'm going to, you know, and now I basically go around and say, you know, look, I'm going to bring some people along. Some of your customers are going to want to come too. So we're going to have, I'm going to host a tasting. I'll bring the wine. You sell the tickets. Yeah. And we'll have a great night. So, you know, and you'll have, usually the restaurants have got the kitchen open and the bar open. So they'll make a bit of money on food and drinks. Yes. As well as a bit of money on tickets. So it works for everybody. And that's sort of, you know, that's that's what made me want to do it is that I, I really wanted to push myself to try and mm-hmm. make it work. Because I think, you know, I've, know, I've met enough people in Torquay who love wine and love coming to things that I've done in the past that I think it really can work. And yes. it can be something that can also introduce a lot of places to how thing, how wine events can be run and how you know, their customers who go there aren't necessarily the people who, um, who would go to a wine event. Yes. But if it's run by somewhere they always go to, they might turn up and then, then they'll get me and then they'll love wine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, once you once you talk to Sean, you love wine. That's great. So, with so many different like kind of varieties of wine out there, like how do you go about like curating a list or like putting together um, like your wine tasting? What kind of factors do you take into consideration? Um, so, in the past, when it's been just me, it's all mm-hmm. about how you know, I create my brand. And then what we're going to do, how we're going to taste. And you come to a taste with me. I never used to tell anybody what we were tasting. Okay. I was sold entirely on the fact that I wasn't going to let you down. Yeah. And then you turn up, there's a piece of paper and you go, oh, that's exciting. Yes. And that was it. So now, and that, that was sort of what I wanted to do. And then I would usually pick either a region or just a couple of wines and say, all right, well, I'll figure that out. And then just look into everything and say like, oh, well, that's actually, and then it just sort of comes together. I know obviously now I have to be a bit more professional, <laughs> tell people what's going on, be able to sell it. So it's mostly about talking to whoever I'm going to do the tasting for. You know, if they, I don't really like doing like vertical tastings of, you know, like Bordeaux throughout the years of this specific thing. Like yes. I think that's what a lot of people imagine of a wine tasting is just like trying to pick the differences between vintages and things. Mm. But I like to hop around flavors and try and like make people ex- have an experience in wine as opposed to, um, just sort of talk to them about it. Yeah. So like, so we did, uh, I did a Sauvignon tasting where we started with a, like a natural wine. So it's just basically the grapes are pressed and then, um, and then the natural yeast on the outside of the grapes is what starts the fermentation. Mm-hmm. And then you saw, they sort of filter it a little bit, but mostly whatever happens in the tank, they stick it in the bottle and hope for the best. Yes. So it's just a pure expression of the grape. Okay. So that gives you like the, the flavors of Sauvignon Blanc as natural as they can be. So then when you do the next wine, when you're trying, I think we did a Sancerre. So now you're trying the Sancerre, but what flavors can you pick up from the first wine in the second wine? Yes. So what's about the grape, what's about where it's grown? And then you pick up the flintiness of Sancerre and that's about the soil that it's grown in. So that's coming from somewhere else. That's the secondary flavors. Mm. And then we did an oaky Fumé Blanc. So then you've got tertiary flavors of the oak, as well as those original flavors of Sauvignon Blanc coming through in the wine. Okay. And we're just sort of chasing them through the tasting. Mm. So it's like, so then when people say like, oh, well, actually, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to learn anything if you don't want to. 
But also, next time you try Sauvignon Blanc, you're going to be able to pick up that grapefruit and lime just mm. because you know it's there and you've trained your palate to do it. Yes, yes. But you've done it in a really subtle way. I know, no, very, that's very clever, good. Isn't it? Yeah, it is very clever. It feels like you're taking people kind of like on a journey, like you're saying, like an experience or doing like some storytelling through the tasting. Yeah. And so it's like you're you're adding like additional elements or like additional characters or additional landscapes to the uh, experience for people. And so I think that's quite engaging. It's brilliant. But I try. <laughs> so do you have like any kind of... Um, process for kind of organizing are you like reaching out to different restaurants are you having people call you starting you're out on socials what's the yes how do people um, yeah oh sorry i'll cut you off um i'm excited to answer um so we've got uh obviously we have our website where people can inquire on and we've got we're on facebook and instagram's really the main one for the photos and everything and also so obviously we're doing below decks uh next week the week after next 18th week week after next on the 18th at seven o'clock um, get that in there as many times as we can um, book directly through them £35 per person <laughs> that's right um, uh, yeah so, and then um, and then I'm doing I'm doing offshore the month after in June for English Wine Week and then yeah so I've just been having conversations with people about trying to convince Anthony to let me do one Otto in the glass bit at the end because I think it'd be Ooh. really fun you know but uh, you know fun for me I don't know about the customers but I'd enjoy it um, yeah so uh, that's so yeah, and, and then I do, I have been doing private events as well. So I used to run a cocktail bar at Hamilton. So we, um, I do sort of have all the kit. Just yes. go and set up a cocktail bar in someone's kitchen. Oh, um, brilliant. I love yeah. that. Do you do like private parties and things like that? Yeah, so I did a, an 18th birthday party at, one of, at someone's house and um, just set up on their island in the middle and then just made cocktails all night. Oh, that's yeah. brilliant. What yeah, a fun was, time. Yeah, I, I had great fun. Yeah, <laughs> I guess like, so. It's that I really miss making, like working on a bar, making cocktails. Like it is, as much as it's hard work, like it, it, when you're doing it, when you're doing it right and people appreciate what you're doing mm. and being in that sort of really s- small atmosphere where I'm actually talking to people saying like, oh, well, the reason I'm doing this or how the flavor comes through is this. It's the same as like wine tasting, but with spirits and fruit and things. And people were really interested in like, you know, the process of making cocktails. Because I think a lot of people see it as like, well, you just bang some things in and shake it. And like, but it's not, it isn't necessarily as simple as that when you're trying to like round out the flavor of something and make it taste like you want it to text. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about gin a little bit later on because I know that you're doing some things with Torquay, uh, Torquay gin. So that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, in terms of wine, you know, we were just talking about vegan restaurant. There's, there is a higher demand, I think, for vegan friendly kind of food and drink options and people who have like intolerances and preferences. So what kind of like unique, um, options do you offer or how do you like, uh, bring some of that kind of modern trend into your tastings? And um, yeah, so like, uh, as I was saying about the, the, um, sort of like zero interaction natural wine. So those are, all, that's all like what we imagine of vegan wine. It's like, okay. so it's, there's no pesticides. There's nothing put in. There's nothing artificial. It's just they grow the grapes. They press the grapes. They put it in a bottle. Yes. So for the sparklings, you often end up with they don't finish the um, ferment the first fermentation. So then they put it in the bottle and it's still going. So you end yes. up with loads of sediment in it and it's all cloudy. And you can either shake it up and have sort of a moussey type wine, or you can <laughs> let it settle and pour it off the top and have a slightly more uh, juice like clarified. Red wine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But. Um, uh, yeah, so like that's the that's the sort of what people imagine of vegan wine, but mm-hmm. actually, because now they so they 
in in the fining process, like the filtration of getting all the bits out, they can now use like grass protein um, oh, okay. like mesh. Yeah. So you don't actually need to use any animal product. Like the Isinglass. Yeah. So you yeah. don't need to put in any um like any sort of you know, they used to use egg white or animal you know, products. Animal products. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Let's just have, call it animal. We don't yeah, want to get yeah. into it. Okay. Let's not get into all the bladders and things. Um, <laughs> the bladders. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> So, so lots of wine, actually, although it maybe isn't necessarily advertised as it, if you look at the spec, it is vegan friendly. They just don't, they don't, like if you're making a, like a super Tuscan, like a really big red wine, the people who drink that, not make casting aspersions about any of the older gentlemen uh, uh, who might be listening, <laughs> but they aren't necessarily interested in whether it's vegan or not. No. So they just don't include it as a part of their advertising, okay. even though they might have changed their process. Yes. So a lot of a, a lot of uh, like wineries that have been around for a long time obviously will still do things the old fashioned way mm. but if you're making something like in the style of so things that you're just buying in the supermarket most of them will probably be vegan friendly anyway. oh okay that's really good to know and so like given your you've got a lot of expertise in like wine pairings you've done a lot of years over at number 7 what kind of advice would you offer to listeners who are looking to kind of pair food and wine like how can they select like a perfect wine for different like occasions or for different meals um so occasion wise the answer is simple it's always go for magnums uh, so a double bottle is always at sea exactly that's the reaction you turn yes. up at someone's house and they've got a magnum doesn't matter what's in it yeah. so that's that's the party started already this is great advice yeah. you're coming to every party <laughs> from now on sean um and then uh, food pairing wise the, the simplest way to do it is um, country by country. So if you're if you're eating a Spanish dish, have a Spanish wine. Yes. Because so they invented that dish and the flavors in it, and then the people making the wine were eating that, so they made the wine to go with that. So like mm. you know, paella goes really nicely with like uh, like uh, if you're red wine, then like menthia sort of grape, or okay. if you want white, then like Vadeo, that sort of thing, or Godeo. Um, yeah. So that like you can is, and that's so easy to Google of like you know. Where's, where's this dish from? What what grape varieties are grown? What wine is made in that region? Mm. That's, you know, that's, um, and then if you want to then go sort of branch out, then you can be towards like the, well, that grape variety that's normally grown in that region, but I'm going to buy it from a different country and then see how that fits. Right. And then, or there's, and there are sort of, you know, some sort of like, there are rules around it. Like, uh, sip, uh, so spiced is dry. So if you have a dry tannic red wine, so tannins, what's in yes. black tea, um, so that's going to dry out your palate even more. Yes. So spice and tannin doesn't work. No. Spice and citrus doesn't work because your palate's already dry. Okay. So you need to go for something sweeter. So right. we did a, we did a, um, the only time I've ever used Zinfandel Rosé in a tasting is with a, it was a Thai spiced vegetable starter dish. Okay. With the sweetness and fruitiness of a Zinfandel Rosé. Yes. Yeah. So it was like, they, they came together and worked perfectly. Yes. Okay. And I like, understand. Yeah. So if you're having... If you're, if you're having anything with spice, then it needs to be that. You know, obviously, fish. I mean, you know, everybody says it has to be white wine. It doesn't have to be, but you certainly can't go for like Cabernet Sauvignon or anything heavy. Um, but lighter reds will always work. Like Pinot Noirs will be fine. Um, the only thing that really can be turn out to be quite offensive is things like crab with anything that's slightly irony, like Riesling. Oh, okay. All so right. that, that any any yeah that really doesn't work and can make the crab taste like it's off. Okay. But so yeah so. If you're drinking it and you're enjoying it, fine. But if you're going to pair things, those two really shouldn't go together. Yes, crab um, and riesling. Yeah. Make a note. Yeah, but then like at the end, at the end of the day, most of the time, if you if you drink what you like and you eat what you like, 
you'll enjoy it more than trying to force yourself into something that you think is going to be mm. better pairing. Yeah. So most of, yeah, lots of restaurant customers who ask for things, it's like, well, if you're, you're going to drink the wine before you taste the food most of the time at a table if you're having a bottle and you're going to have to drink it afterwards. Yes. So it's better that you're enjoying it and that you either have a little glass that I've recommended with the food or just don't drink the wine with the food. Yes. Okay. I understand. Like that's the, in a restaurant situation, in a pairing situation. I mean, you know, I've spent weeks like mulling over with wine merchants and chefs about what we can do and blah, blah, and how it's going to work. And then you get to the night, the chef makes the food and he's put something on it. And it's why have you, you know, so you've changed the dish. Oh, well, yes. this is going to work perfectly. The dish tastes better. I'm like, well, the wine pairing doesn't work now. You're an idiot. Oh, no. uh, so, uh, so yeah. So, but, the, but people like me spend months like looking yes. at things, doing that. So trying to do things like that at home is really, you know, I'm not saying it's a waste of time, but it's, it's, you're better off making a simple decision and trying to stick to some simple rules. Right. So if you had to go out and buy a bottle of wine today, you left here mm-hmm. and you had to drive to a wine shop, what wine shop would you recommend in the area? Well, the Dartmouth Wine Shop is the best one around. Dartmouth Wine Shop. Okay. And, do, and that's near the gardens, isn't yeah. it? And you can do tastings there. I think okay. they're open from 11. They do tastings from 12. Um but, and the reason they're good is because they can tell you what it is and they can talk you through it. Yes. If you're, if you've been to a couple of my wine tastings and you know what we're talking about now, <laughs> then, uh, then, um, I mean, we buy, I buy most of my wine from, for, for just quaffing at home from like Little and Aldi and places like that. Cause they have things that's slightly more interesting. Sainsbury's is a bit limited. Yes. Sorry. I lost that sponsorship. No, uh, no. <laughs> I just wanted to know. Cause yeah, sometimes you go into, you know, a regular supermarket and you just don't know what, what to look for. So you look for maybe an interesting label or something like that. And you just don't know, you know, maybe you're not sure. And so you think Aldi and Little have like interesting options. So, yeah. So yeah. they've got, they've got some really interesting wines, but you've got to be brave, but also you've got to know, sort of know half what you're looking for, mm. which is, you know, it's why I always say to people is like, so the, the Riesling, if you don't know what you're talking about, it's very difficult to buy. So the important word to know is trocken, because that means dry. Trocken? Yeah. How do you, what is T- that? Oh, is it um, German? T-R-A-U. T-R-O-C-K-E-N. O-C-K-E-N. Yeah, so that means, trocken. that means dry. Okay. Which means that obviously, although some of them say that and then they're off dry, you know, it's definitely not going to be sweet. Yes, yes. You don't want a sweet Riesling. Yeah, but in little last week, then there was a spate laser, which is, uh, so that's, um, it's grapes that are um, harvested a bit later. So they're allowed to mature a bit more. So they've got a bit more sugar in them. So then the wine is sweeter. Yes. Obviously, if you know that word, you know, it's going to be sweeter. Yes. If you don't know that word, it's not, you don't know. So reasoning one to stay away from generally Italian red, um, it's like anything you buy in a supermarket is going to be relatively good. Um, but you're never going to get something that's going to be that huge, heavy thing that you want. Like, for, if you want an Amarone, you're gonna you can mm. buy one in Lidl or Tesco or Sainsbury's, but it's never going to be as good as something that you could go online, search for, research, and buy, and have an amazing wine. Yes. Um, yeah, I did a tasting of uh, straight Valpel Cello Flight. So, Ooh. Classico Rapasso. Yes, Rapasso is the best. Nike. I love that. Yeah, and uh, and it was it's an amazing flight. I love doing it. It's the first wine flight I put on at number seven, where you do it in the bar so i must have explained it about four thousand times by now <laughs> but but the uh, the actual tasting itself is really interesting the story is really interesting and um and yeah so if you're going to try and buy wines like that you really need to be going to somewhere where the, they import better wines or get better wines like a proper wine shop yes okay yeah we had um yeah valpolicella ripasso over at the wine loft 
in Brixham mm-hmm. for like a Christmas party and the wine was so good. And I think that's, so what is it? Valpolicella, Ripasso, and then Amarone is the last one? Yeah, What's so, the last of the three? So Amarone is the, the top one. The, so, that's, oh. so they use the apassimento method where they, they dry the grapes to lose 40 to 60% of their water. Yes. And then they press those. And then obviously because there's less water, it's more intense. The, uh, and the grape juice is more intense. Mm. So you get that intense flavor into the wine. Mm. And then because there's more sugar, you get higher alcohol. <laughs> and then to make the regular Classico, they just make normal wine like you would anywhere in the world. Yes. And then the Repasso, they take that normal wine. They put it back in with the grape, the used grape skins of the Amarone, and then they restart the fermentation. So you end up with something that's got the acidity and lightness of a Valpolicella, yes. but you've got the intense, more dried fruit of the Amarone. So you end up with something in the middle. So that's yes. the three wines. Oh, I love that story. That's brilliant. Valpolicella. Yeah. And, but Amarone, I think those are really nice at Christmas time. That's yeah. A, yeah, that's one we used to like it. Hi, Scott. <laughs> Remember the Amarones? We used to get a really nice one from M&S, actually. M&S did a really good one. So, yeah, thank you very much for that. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, you're making me thirsty, actually. I, I did tell you, if you start me talking about wine, I won't shut up. So, Alex, are you now a wine fan? Are you involved? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's great. Really interesting. So the upcoming events for Broken Wine Society, we know that you've got the one at Below Decks. Did you say that there were some more in the pipeline? Uh, yeah, so we're at Below Decks on the 18th of May, and that's then, so that's the Undiscovered Italy flight, um, seven wines, £35 a person, seven o'clock, usually takes about two hours. They're open for dinner and drinks as well. Um, just book a table directly through them, and then I'll sort everything else out. Uh and then uh, we're doing offshore uh, for English Wine Week, so a celebration of English wine. I'm still uh, finally getting, trying to get uh, uh, Kelly and Brett to agree with my wonderful idea. Um, <laughs> but I think it's going to be a comparison of English wine against other things. So this is going to be on the 23rd of June, right? Friday, a Friday night. I never do them on Friday nights. <laughs> um, so finally opened up to all those people who say to me, if you do it the weekend, I'll come. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, it'll be probably Prosecco, English sparkling champagne as a comparison of the three. Mm. And then I think probably going to be Pinot Chardonnay and then Sharpham Dark Valley Reserve as a comp. You know, uh, and then well, I, there's um, struggling on the English, well, not struggling. I'm struggling on the pricing of the English red alongside a couple of other, probably uh, like a, a Pinot Noir and a Fleury. It's like lighter style reds and then English red probably made from Rondo alongside that, where it's still that similar style, but different, you know, English wines have a, you know, we tend to be more brambly because, you know, just because of where we are. Because of where we are. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But, but a nice, like, that's the sort of uh, comparison of that I don't, we don't often get to do. Like, yeah, as I said, the things I like to do where it's, you know, you're, you're giving people the, the option to concentrate and make the decisions on their own palate rather than say, I'm not saying to you, this tastes like this, this is better, this is worse. It's just these are different. They're made in different ways. These are the histories. This is what it is. And then you can, you know, you taste things. Which one do you prefer? That's the, yeah. you know, and then you can go out and you can make informed decisions in supermarkets based on what you prefer, what flavors you prefer. You read the label and you can, rather than just be lost in 40 characters or 40 words or whatever, you can pick out specific flavors that you're interested in and that you know you like. And you can pick those out and then you're more likely to get a wine that you're going to enjoy. Oh, that's brilliant. That's lovely. Great. Thank you so yeah. much for that. I feel like I know a lot more about wine now. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I probably should have mentioned other things, shouldn't I? Um, yeah. Private bar events. I mean, I'm available for private hire. Just, just send us a message. Um, you know, birthday parties are better with a cocktail bartender in your kitchen. That is the, that's, that's a <laughs> And given. a magnum that's brought by Sean. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah you've, got to, you've got to have a magnum. Um, and then uh, that's actually my, that's my stepdad's 
stepdad's philosophy. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah mag- everything's better with a magnum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, and then obviously I'm uh, offshore where they're doing the, the Bays Brewery Festival. I shall be there pulling pints, you know, earning my money. And uh, and then at Juniper, there's music tonight, Bert Miller. And then on Sunday, the Sunset Social Club. Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's closed on Sunday. Don't I go got there you. then. <laughs> uh, yes, I think that's everything, isn't it? Oh, that's brilliant. So, yeah. Are you ready for the quick fire round, Sean? I've been dreading it all week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your favorite red? Oh, dear. Uh, red wine. Red wine is interesting because it changes all the time. At the moment, it's Negro Amaro. Right. The favorite white? <laughs> it always will be Riesling. Riesling. Really? Yeah. Riesling. And how about a rosé? Um, I've had some really interesting rosés. Um, I think Primitivo Rosé, if I had to have a gun to my head. Yes. Okay. Right. And for sparkling wine, what do you think? English sparkling, champagne, Prosecco? Where does your allegiance lie? Well, I have to say English sparkling, of course. You do. Um, uh, and there are some really fantastic English you know, in- English sparklings out there. Like if you've got any sense and any money, you're buying vineyards in England because they're, they're only going to our, co- our climate is only going to get better for growing wine, and France's is only going to get slightly worse. Okay. So they're they're having to change the way they do things in order to cope with a climate that's different. Mm. And we're having to change the way we do things to more champagne-like. So it's already all been tested, and we're just doing it that way. Right. There's a reason champagne houses are buying vineyards in England, and that's because our climate is becoming. The best we start, we have the same soil that goes under the channel. Yes, to Champagne. So we have the same soil. We have the same now. Have the climate that Champagne had what, fifty years ago. Yeah, right. What's that soil. called? Terroir. It is well. Terroir is the uh, that's um, it, all of the conditions that go into a grape growing. Yeah. So you talk. That's like the soil, the drainage, the the aspects of how it leans towards the sun. Mm. Um, you know everything. Yes. Uh, in, including the amount of sunshine, amount of rainfall, the wind. Uh, that's that's so terroir is a catch-all term because obviously that is a load of things to say so in wine terms it's just terroir means yeah, how it grew how it was <laughs> grown yeah that's great so if you had to choose we're still on quick fire by the way if you had to choose a english like a, a vineyard that does english sparkling what's your favorite english sparkling then uh, I know what mine is. Right, could we say it at the same time ready okay. 3 2 1 night timber very funny right chapel down was the answer i love it thanks so much for the interview sean well shall we carry on well we've got some events and festivals let's get into that So in events and festivals, the Dart Music Festival is happening on the 19th of May, and we've got an interview with co-chair Lisa Chandler. Let's have a listen. Right, now we're here with Lisa Chandler, co-chair of the Dart Music Festival. She's responsible for all types of organization and marketing of the festival. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, Linda, how are you? <laughs> really good, thanks. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast this week. We're delighted to have you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Um, so could you just remind us a little bit about the Dart Music Festival? So when is it, where is it, all the kind of must-need-to-know must, must need to know kind of things that we need? Sure, 
Sure. So the music festival is taking place this year on the 19th, 20th and 21st of May. Um, we had to move it because um, someone uh, had a, a very important coronation. <laughs> and um, it takes place in Dartmouth, so uh, in various venues around the town. So um, the main stage is in the Royal Avenue Gardens. Um, which is pretty much in the centre of Dartmouth. Then uh, we we have music on in the Flavel Arts Centre, uh, the Guild Hall, which is where the, the town council lives, um, Bayard's um, Fort Cove, which is the um, ancient uh, fort that is down the end of the town. Okay. And um, also in the Old Market Square, which is... Mm. Um, an ancient sort of stannery market that, that's in the centre of town too. And then um, all the pubs that sponsor us um, and others as well, I guess, but all, all the ones that sponsor us certainly put on music throughout the, the weekend too. So there's literally music coming out from every port in every area of Dartmouth. Okay, that's amazing. I didn't realize that you had that many venues. I'm not really, yeah. I've never been down to that kind of castle. Is it the kind of castle at the end of you know at the opening yeah, of so the it's it's a it's an it's a, a an old fort which is um so as you come off the lower ferry it's on if you turn left and walk down through the the cobbled path um the fort's at the end there um and it's actually really beautiful um for acoustic sounds it's very atmospheric and the and the and the sound quality down there's lovely so um that that that's that end and then obviously going up to the other end you've got where the Royal Avenue Gardens are the Guildhall is there's a huge ballroom in there with, with a stage where bands are playing mm. and the old market is 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 a really lovely place to go as well because there's some lovely cafes and restaurants in there that um you can enjoy some food while, while you're listening to some great music oh that's brilliant I love that and what types of music can can we expect to hear at the festival is it like contemporary <laughs> classical what what styles it's, it's a bit bit of everything. And in fact, I'm very naughty because I've um, forgotten to include St. Saviour's Church, which is where oh. the classical music, how rude. Uh, that's where the classical music, you can tell I'm a bit frazzled because it's next week, can't you? Um, <laughs> so that's where the classical um, music is, is, is put on in St. Saviour's, which again is a, amazing. So we've got classical, we've got um, folk, we've got jazz, campfire pop, digi-rock, blues, indie, acoustic totally across the board you yeah. name the type of music we have it oh that's amazing how many performers are you going to feature at this year's festival well over 70 so there's um at least 60 that we put on in in what we call the dmf venues and then other than that um all, all the pubs and bars around the town so it's probably closer to 80 actually uh really? there's there's a lot going on so um it, it's wise to plan ahead by downloading the app or, or getting a program so you know what's on where and what you fancy fancy listening to oh okay yeah that's a good idea where do you get the program you download it from what the website what's what's the website so um yeah so we don't we don't publish who, who's coming um, oh. mainly because um apart from in the program mainly because we are a not-for-profit organization we're totally run by volunteers so Every penny raised from donations and sponsorship is what puts the festival on. So it's free to attend. Nobody has to pay anything. Yeah. But we would ask that people download the app from the App Store, which is Dark Music Festival. Yeah. And that's four ninety nine. Um, and you can buy a program. You could. There's details on our Facebook and and 
website. You can either phone and get one posted to you. You can buy one from Kingswear Post Office, from The Flavel, from Dartmouth Community Bookshop, Compass Bookshop. Um, there's lots of places where you can you can buy them from in and around town as well. But you can order them by phoning the, the number that will be published either on our Facebook page or on the website and they will post it to you. Okay. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, it's a great way to raise money by just like charging for the app and then everybody contributes and everybody contributes the same. That's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Great. And then you get full access to the, to the whole program with a map of, you know, the town so you know exactly what's on and where. Okay, that's cool. And so that's in the App Store or Android, you know, uh, Google Shop? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Super. Yeah. So um, are you expecting, can you tell us if there are any special guests or any kind of like surprises planned this year? I'm sure you've got something up your sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> that we, um, we, we have some fantastic uh, Americana Award winners coming, mm-hmm. but I'm, I can't really say. But, you know, at the end of the day, the music festival is about opening your eyes to listening to live music and whatever genre of music you typically enjoy. Um, there's nothing quite like seeing live music. And even if it's a genre that you may not have thought of listening to before, um, you know, I don't know anybody that doesn't listen to, to, to a band that they would not normally listen to on um, the big stage and think at the end of it, oh no, that was rubbish because it, it's not, it's just the mm. atmosphere of it yes. all. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I I'm not going to say who's, who's coming. Um, <laughs> You're the, not going to give uh, away well, any I'm, secrets. I'm, I will give one thing away. <laughs> and the one thing that I will give away is that the Riviera dogs mm. who are a huge favorite yeah. of Dartmouth and, a, and an eighties band, um, will be opening the festival on Friday. But download the app from the App Store or from the Google Store or buy a program or phone us for a program because that's the only way we can keep going because if we don't make enough money this year, we won't be back next. Right. Okay. You've heard, you've got your orders now. Everybody go download the app. <laughs> and so you just type in Dark Music Festival and that's where just it is. Just type in Dark Music Festival and it will come up. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. But that's not all. You know, of course, you've got great music there. But is there also, are there any kind of like food and drink kind of offers on? Are there like kind of food, street food, or is it more restaurants? Yeah, so what we, um, the ethos of the, the music festival has always been, when it was, since its inception 26 years ago now, um, was to bring a busy weekend to uh, the town's businesses mm. in what might ordinarily be a quiet time. So we don't go down the route of having any outside traders in um, all, all of the food and drink that you you can get will be from our businesses in town. So there's no street, there's no street markets. Um, everything we do is to support the town's businesses. So lots and lots of our sponsors that have also got cafes or restaurants are doing um, special offers. So the Embankment, as an example, have got the Liberty Sisters, which are a superb trio of. 40s and 50s music singing um, with with food there. But lots of places are opening later. They're doing special offers. The Flavor, for example, are doing special food offers that you can eat in or, or take away to wander oh. around. Cause that's, that's the key point to it, is that you want to be wandering around, really. So mm. we will be pushing all of our sponsors and all of the cafes, takeaways, restaurants in town, and that's where you get your food from. And if anyone's in any doubt of where they are, when you come over, if you come to the information hut in the Royal Avenue Gardens, there'll be a huge poster up, um, displayed with a map of the town telling you where you can get uh, food to eat, what type of food and when. 
Okay. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I've, you've, Dartmouth is really known for your food. So I would, yeah. I can't wait to get over there. It's brilliant. Great. So, um, when somebody comes over to Dartmouth, I know like a lot of people, um, come down to the ferry landing and then they go over from Kingsware or yeah. they try to park in kind of those gardens. You call it Royal Avenue gardens, car park. Yeah. Are yeah. there any other kind of parking options available? Sure. So the park and ride will be open. Um, it is open now. So the Park and Ride you Park at the top of town, which is just next to Liddles, opposite Sainsbury's. Um, and the Park and Ride buses run till about seven o'clock in the evening. And then your Park and Ride ticket is valid on the local buses that, to take you up to the top of the town, back up to your car. Oh, so great. The, the, lo- the local buses are number 90 and number 91, Stagecoach. And um, if the park and ride buses have, have finished, then they, they will take you to the top of the town. But the park and ride will run as per usual. So it runs, you know, all day, yep. every day, picks up from the um, embankment um, on the seafront there and, and takes you up and brings you back down. Okay, that's great. And so that's the park and ride. And where would you get yeah. the 90 or 91? Is that in the same kind of area? All, all in the same place. So the bus, great. The main bus stop, um, yeah, on, on the boat float in town, just, just as you come off the passenger ferry. That is perfect. So, yeah, no excuse not to go. I think park and no, ride might absolutely. be the best option, really. A park and ride is, is always a good option. Mm. I mean, there are, you know, there are places to park, but if you don't know the town, um, yes. you don't want to get in trouble parking and <laughs> somewhere where you, but there are other <laughs> places to park but the park and ride is 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 the best place and of course if you're coming from Torbay then um you can get a taxi you can get a train you can get a steam train you can get the mm. bus and, and get the ferry across oh yeah the steam train to the music yeah. festival I think that sounds Fantastic. good too yeah. I love that um but yeah I did see just recently that you were talking about road closures oh, sorry mm. we've got somebody at the door hang on it's okay you just leave it um so this is what I saw on Facebook is that Dart Music Festival was having, they'd recently announced that some road closures were going to be yeah. affecting um, travel back and forth to Dartmouth. So what, what do you, I mean, what's happening? <laughs> so the, the road, so if you're coming to Dartmouth from Totnes on, on the main road, as you come through a, a tiny little hamlet called um, Holwell, uh, the road um, has collapsed. and <gasps> Yeah, so oh it's been on traffic lights for a while. And I mean, uh, you know, I live in Dartmouth and, and I was taking George to Tottenham Station for college for a while. And, you know, you, you can't, I can't tell you the amount of cars that were damaged by this, this huge hole in the world. There's a culvert going underneath. Basically, the road's collapsing oh, and they've, yes. they've got to fix it. There's yes. nothing they can do about it. And th- there's never a good time. So mm. there's no point jumping up and down about it. You know, they don't want to do it in May half term. Fair enough. And they certainly don't want to do it the summer holidays. So right. it's got to be done. The road's going to be closed between the 9th and the 26th of May, according mm. to Devon County Council. But there's lots of different ways of getting into Dartmouth. So there'll be very well signposted diversions in place. Good. Um, you can um, you can go cross country um, from Totnes across to um, Avonwick and then up via Kingsbridge that way, which adds about an extra 10, 15 minutes on your journey. Okay. You know, it's not a problem. Yeah. So don't don't let it put you off coming. There's, no. there's lots of ways in. You just need to just need to plan your journey and and allow a little bit of extra time. And of course, the other thing from Totnes is you could come over to to Torbay via, via the ferries. That, that's that's the other way of coming. 
Oh, what? Totnes to, sorry. So go from Totnes, mm -hmm. uh, go to Paynton, and then Paynton to Brixham, and then, you know, go around that way. So if you drive normally from Totnes to Dartmouth, it would take you about 20 minutes. If you drive from Totnes to Kingswear to get the ferry across to yes. Dartmouth via Paynton and Brixham, it will take you about 25 minutes. It's, right. it's no, it's no biggie. So, you know, there, there's, it, at the end of the day, it's not ideal, but yeah. The road's got to be fixed. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's not it's the end corner. of the world. No, it's not the end of the world. No. Just allow an extra half an hour for your journey. You'll be fine. Okay, amazing. And so this year you're um, running the festival, but did you say that, like, you know, last year, last year did you have one or was it COVID yeah. or you've had yeah, one no, last year? No, we had one last year, which mm -hmm. was the 25th music festival. Wow. Um, and then it, we didn't have one for two years prior to right. that. Um, so... Yeah, and it, as with all, I mean, there's loads and loads of small music festivals or, or, or food festivals that are have collapsed or, or have folded because, you know, the cost of everything has increased so hugely. I mm -hmm. heard about Chagford Music Festivals um, not going to happen this year, oh which is really, really sad. Um, so it's, there's no doubt that the, the pandemic had a, a huge impact on on the, the viability of, of keeping a festival, particularly a free to attend festival going. Yes. Um, so we, we really need to go great guns this year to, to get back to, to where we were if, if we can. Right. And what, what advice would you give to somebody who's attending the Dart Music Festival for the first time, other than plan your journey and go to the park and ride? <laughs> yeah. So plan your journey. Yes. Um, but really, <laughs> one of the, the nicest things to do is just immerse yourself in a fantastic atmosphere. Um, which will be around the town, but buy a program or download the app so that you can plan um, where you want to be. So in the program, there's a map of Dartmouth. On the app, there's a map of Dartmouth, and it will tell you where to go. It will tell you what time someone's playing, what time they're finishing. So you can you know, have an idea. So, for example, if you really love classical music, then you can um, plan your day around listening to, to that if you like blues music you can plan your day um because there's going to be a blues cafe which is new for this year actually in the, in the mm -hmm. flavor arts center so you know if you've got the program or you or you've downloaded the app you will be able to plan so it does because there's so much going on the danger is that you just come to the main stage and listen to that which will be brilliant because yes. it's amazing but don't miss out on all the all the little all the little um all the little small venues that are around the town and also obviously all of the, the pubs and, and the bars that support us too. Right. Okay. Final, final question here. Is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know about the music festival? Um, so what I would say is that the entire event is run by volunteers. Mm. So none of us get paid. We do it because we love Dartmouth. Most of us live in Dartmouth, mm. although, um, B that does all of our operational uh, nitty gritty actually lives in the Isle of Wight and comes back, <laughs> which is um, probably the furthest away volunteer we've got. But we don't have any funding. Um, we we literally survive on sponsorship and donations. We have to pay all the musicians their going rate, um, and so then you add in all, all of the the ancillaries, you know, the sound equipment, the big stage. Um, the big screen, mm. first aid, security, blah, blah. It adds oh. up to a huge sum of money. Yes. Um, so all, all I'll say is that 
you know, we're not professional event organisers, so be nice to us. Um, <laughs> we don't, we, we, although we are very good, obviously, um, we don't, we don't make a profit, but we're just, we're just there to put on a great, great weekend in, yeah. in Dart. So support us by coming, buy a wristband, you could buy a wristband, um, which will stop, um, our lovely volunteers hassling you to put money in the pot. Okay. Uh, you can buy a you can buy a program, and as I said before, download an app. Download the app. Broken, I love it. Broken record. <laughs> so, so Lisa, are you ready for today's quick fire round? Go on. Okay, you ready? Describe yeah. describe the Dart Music Festival in three words. Lively, inclusive fun. I love it. Oh, brilliant. Thanks so much for joining us on the Torbay Hospitality Podcast. It was lovely to talk to you. So um, just remind us the dates again, when are we kicking off? Yeah, it's uh, Friday the 19th, Saturday the 20th and Sunday the 21st of May. In Dartmouth. All right, we'll see you there. Okay, thank you, Linda. All right. Thanks so much, Lisa. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Bye. And BaysFest is back at the offshore in Torquay on the 21st of May. That's in cooperation with suppliers Bays Brewery and Hunt Cider. It's from 12 noon to 10 p.m. And they've got great local music and a barbecue on the Inner Harbor. The lineup so far is Mafia 4, New Days, and some other artists. And the proceeds benefit the RNLI in Torbay. Sean, did you say that you were going to be pulling pints? Yeah, so for uh, all those wonderful people enjoying the sunshine and listening to the music, I'll be behind the bar. <clears throat> That's great. Make mine a Devon Rock. That's my favourite. That's my go-to. Honestly, I love it. Yeah, get yourself a third off, though. What? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, know. I know. I need to get that loyalty 35 going. So we've got one for your diary. It just popped up on our Facebook this week. The Agatha Christie Sea Swim in 2023, which was wildly popular when they held it last time. It's taking place on the 3rd of September, and it's right next door on Beacon Cove. And they're swimming about one kilometer, just kind of around to Meadfoot. It is a ticketed event with proceeds going to charity. Um, So if sea swimming is your thing, you must attend. You just search Agatha Christie Sea Swim and you follow the link to book. And then also, I have to tell you, we've got an exclusive interview with the chair of the Agatha Christie Festival, Matt Newbery, and it's coming up in the next few weeks. He's got so much great information about this festival and all kinds of like sneak peeks and insider information. So you want to listen out for that. And over in attractions news, on Friday the 19th of May at Babacom Theatre is the history of rock. Led Zeppelin, Cream, Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Queen, and more. It's only £25. You book by phone 01803-328-385 or visit the Babacom Theatre website. At the Palace Theatre in Paynton, don't miss The Sounds of the 60s with the Zoots on the 28th of May. I heard that these guys are really good. So you book online at thepalacetheaterpainton.co.uk while tickets are still available. The Paynton Zoo is hosting the English Touring Opera Performance of 
Zoo exclamation mark. It's a free event, but pre-booking is essential and normal admission pricing applies. So you reserve your uh, zoo ticket for Saturday, the 27th of May. You go to paintandzoo.org.uk. And then while you're there, you can watch the performance of the Zoo Opera. And Torquay Central Cinema is offering super saving prices for all seats, either a fiver or three pounds if you've got a discount card holder. And that's for the entire month of May. And this afternoon, we're going to be over at the English Riviera Attraction Showcase. It's at Occam Farm. And so we'll be meeting all the people that go to work every day to attract tourism and commerce to the area. So you want to listen out for some really good guest hosts that are coming along in the coming weeks, because we're going to book everybody up for hosting and interviewing gigs. And now over to job listings. Make sure you check Indeed for the latest listings for hospitality jobs in Torbay. Here's our top picks for the week. Cantina in Goodrington is hiring full and part-time chefs and a full-time front of house on a permanent basis. We love Cantina. They are such good people and such a fun place to work. So you just drop in and you speak to either Al, Barry, Anna, or Kate. Hi, Kate. Uh, the Carry Arms, a five-star hotel, it's over on Barbican Beach. They are hiring a spa therapist. And Hayes Travel in Wellswood is hiring a full-time assistant manager. So if you are passionate about travel and tourism, that one's the job for you. How about you, Sean? Do you know any other uh, hospitality businesses that are hiring? Uh, well, I mean, this time of year, everybody's looking to take people on. Like yeah. it's the, uh, the, I know obviously they're opening Portofino, or, uh, Ollie's are opening Portofino and Wellswood. They're looking for chefs and people. Paul's looking for people front of house at number seven. I, I think offshore is still hiring people to work uh, front of house, bar, running food, drinks, whatever. Um, and I, I, as I say, like, I think if you're really interested in getting into the industry and, um, pushing yourself and being good at the job, then you will get a job anywhere in Torquay. Uh, we're, we're a hospitality town. Like this mm. place runs on, um, you know, people being good at their jobs. So I think part of the problem that we have in terms of hiring people is that um, in England, certainly we don't see it like Italy or Spain where hospitality is a career. Like mm. it's, it's a transient job that you do when you're 16 and then you go on and have you go away to uni and get your real job. Yeah. Like your yeah. proper career. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not that's... like that though in Europe, is it? It's like, it's, you know, it's fine to be a waiter, you know, and have that be your career and service yeah. as your career. Yeah. I love well, that. Yeah. You know, like respect, respected baristas are so sought mm. after in Italy. Whereas Ooh. here, you know, if you're a barista and you're, you know, you're my age, then people are sort of, they're, they're judged that you, you haven't really had a successful life, but it's, you know, I think, you know, this uh, things are slowly changing yes. and I think certainly around here when, or towns like Torquay where if you don't keep the people they will leave and they'll get a job in somewhere that's more appreciative of their talents mm. I think um, you know so we are actually you know in terms of a town or Torbay mm. in terms of an area we are moving forward in how we you know and that's why you know when the job adverts go up they stay there for quite a long time I think because people are you know they are looking for the right person rather yes. than just taking on anyone they can get their hands on yeah, exactly. It's such a skill, like you were saying, with like a barista or if you're like, you know, um, doing, you know, like pairings or you're putting together menus and chef and so on. You know, you do you do want your hospitality business to be known for something. You know, you want to have the best coffee. Below Decks has the best muscles. And so you think like, who's got the best steaks? Well, I think the doc's going for that one. And who's got the best 
you know, a Sunday lunch. And yeah. so I have a different opinion on the muscles, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so who's, you know, that kind of thing. So <clears throat> where is, you know, so you want to be kind of known for something and that can be part of like your unique kind of proposition to tourism and to local people. So it's definitely worth searching out to have the, like the right talent for the, yeah. for the role. So that's really also like encouraging young people that it can actually be done. Like you can have this job and enjoy it and stay if you try hard, you will be successful yes. in an area like this. I think lots of people, they maybe get into the, the industry at 16, 17. And then by the age of 19, everybody's told them, well, that's not a real job, get a real job. Whereas actually, if they tried hard, learned the skills, learned how to do it, you know, there's lots of businesses around here who are looking for supervisors who can are multi-talented in hospitality. You can serve on the bar, you can serve on the floor, you can manage bookings, you can answer the phone, you can be polite, you you can make coffee. You can you'd know a bit about wine. You know a bit about everything. Yeah. And finding a you know a twenty year old who can do that sort of thing is you know that person's like gold dust in this town. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's brilliant. Thank you. And turning to our live music calendar tonight, Thursday, Bert Miller is live at Juniper in Torquay at eight p.m. And Harbour is at Offshore in Torquay at 9. And Schofield is at the Kent's in Wellswood at 8 p.m. And don't forget, at the Kent's, Thursday night is steak night. You were just saying off off mic that you're making cocktail. Where were you making these cocktails at? At Juniper or Offshore? Um, Juniper. So yeah. with, so with Lawrence's like gin fusions, it's, um, it's a really interesting sort of challenge. to. So each week he's got different flavors that he sort of is talky gin and they just vacuum still some different fruits and then they make like a really concentrated fruit shot and just bang it in talky gin. Yes. So oh, the one like, shot method. I've yeah. heard of this. So it's still like 38, 39%. Yeah. It's got no added sugar. It just tastes fruity. Mm. Um, and then to try and make cocktails with those is a really interesting, you know, for me, because each week, you know, you're changing the flavors, you're trying different things. So a couple of weeks ago, we made up a raspberry one with that. So it's cucumber and mint gin, a little bit of elderflower, muddled some raspberries and some mint. Um, as obviously a large gin, we don't do anything different. And then no. we put in some, uh, so it's raspberry shrub. So it's like, it's raspberries pickled in red wine vinegar. What? So a bit of that. Yeah. Neat. So it's uh, the Bristol, Bristol uh, syrup company make it, um, but you can make it yourself at home. Um, so a bit of all of that in there and then 20 mils of lemon and then shake all that up, serve it in a martini glass. And it's, it, it looks, it's bright red. We put, I put flour on top. So it looks really like it's going to be this sort of sweet drink. Mm. But then it's it's really savoury because of the cucumber and mint that really comes through at the end. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What's that called? It's called a raspberry flex. Flex. All right. <laughs> are you going to be making them at Juniper? Um, well, when are you back at Juniper? On Saturday? I'm there on Saturday night. So right. Yeah, I'll bring all my equipment in. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, I'm going to have a raspberry yeah. flex, please. If they've got um, the the, uh, the right flavored gin for that, that's oh, brilliant. Yeah, I think uh, I think he he's the cucumber and mint is now like a, a stalwart that he makes every week because it's okay. like it's easy to make sweet ones, but the the more savory gins are actually quite difficult. Are they? Because okay. because all the flavors just don't sort of like necessarily work, and things tend to get a bit stewed in the process of trying to actually get the flavor out. Okay, but cucumber and mint works really well. Okay. Elderflower nice. tonic if you're having it just normal. <laughs> 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 
top tip, top tip from a top barman. I love that. Right, back to live music at Friday, oh, sorry, at Friday, on Friday at the spinning wheel at 9.30 is Bootlegger Turn and they are playing all your favorite covers and Busta Groove is back at Torquay, excuse me, at Rock Garden in Torquay from 9.30. I'm all flustered by the um, raspberry flex <laughs> on Saturday from 4 p.m. at Griffin Bar in Torquay. Don't miss Big Tree Trio and their incredible sound. I caught them at Below Decks last year. They're amazing. And don't miss Fishcom Sessions. That is Party on the Cove at the Fishcom Cove Cafe with DJ Luna spinning disco, house, and classic tracks from 7 to 8.30. Our friends at the Sunset Social Club are taking over classic gin bar Juniper on the terrace in Torquay. And this is on Saturday. They're spinning Deep House and New Disco from 7 to 11 p.m. We will be there. And Boogie Nights, the 70s disco band, are playing at the Spinning Wheel in Painton at 9.30. And Platinum Blind are playing Rock Garden in Torquay. And don't forget that Rock Garden has two-for-one cocktails. On Sunday at 4 p.m. at the Griffin Bar is John Clare. Harbor is playing at Raffles 2 Club in Torquay from 3. And Schofield, the funk duo, they are playing below decks from 4 p.m. Our weather look for the weekend, Friday has sunny intervals with a high of 17. Saturday is sunny with another high of 17. And then Sunday is cloudy with a high of 16. So I think our winner this week is Saturday. Congratulations, Saturday. (laughs) So, yep. Thank you very much to Sean for coming by. He's with the Broken Wine Society. What's your social handles? Is it at Broken Wine Society? It is at Broken Wine Society. Right, or Instagram. BrokenWineSociety.com or at BrokenWineSociety on Instagram. Yeah, I've got them all. <laughs> all right, brilliant. Thanks again, Sean. It was really an informative discussion and we loved hearing all about, because you're like a hospitality pro in, in Torbay and it was just so interesting to hear your unique perspective on not only the industry, but also on your business and wine tasting in general. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. 